This is LBC with Nick Abbott. Call 0345 6060 Text 84850. Alexa, send a comment to LBC. Simon Marks is LBC's Washington correspondent, and he joins me now. Hello, Simon. Hello, Nick. You are back from your jolly holidays. Have you been uh, keeping up to date? Because I don't know whether you've heard, but Donald Trump has said that he is ahead in the polls against Barack Obama. Yes. <laughs> and, and that if uh, Biden gets in again, he's going to take us into World War Two. Yes, and of course immediately uh, start persecuting his political opponents because he argues he has been persecuted. I have to yeah. say one of the joys, I've been out of the country for several weeks, as you know, and one of the joys of being out of the country for several weeks is that you observe all of this madness from afar and then you realise just how mad it is and then you come back and actually experience, uh, experience it up close and personal. It's worth just saying, in, in passing though, that last week, I mean it was an extraordinary moment when the most feral person in Washington D.C. was not actually uh, Donald Trump or any of the Republicans that he backs, but a British cabinet secretary. I mean, Suella Braverman here, of course, last week, uh, unveiling uh, her uh, desire to tear up uh, all of the laws and treaties that govern asylum. I mean, to the right uh, of any of the Republicans that we saw participating in that appalling TV debate last week. Uh, but Donald Trump absolutely ascendant, determined to... Uh, uh, prove that he is unassailable in the race for the Republican Party's presidential nomination. Um, and he's got a point because he hasn't slipped at all in the polls. He just continues to gain ground with every indictment that he faces. Uh, he cements his position in place uh, as the uh, party's likely standard bearer in next November's presidential election. And it seems uh, from the vantage point that we have at the moment that we're in for a rematch. Uh, Joe Biden uh, beginning to be under some pressure to reconsider his desire for four more years in the White House, although the clock is very much ticking on that conversation because pretty soon, even if he wanted to drop out, it will be too late because the Democrats would need time to organise a primary campaign. It looks like we're in for a rematch, which is one reason why Joe Biden was, on, uh, was uh, making a speech last week once again warning of the dangers that he says Donald Trump and the Make America Great Again Republicans pose to American democracy and of course over the last few hours have posed to the functioning of governance here in the United States with that now averted threat of a government shutdown. Yeah tell us about that because this seems to come around quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's just endless. I actually went back through my archive and discovered that the first government shutdown that I covered for LBC was in 1996. Blimey. I mean, these things come constantly, and this is the only country uh, in the world that goes through this. So what we witnessed over the weekend, the clock was ticking, as you know, and uh, about three hours before the government would have shut down, uh, all the voting was complete, and we we had this stopgap measure passed that saw the Republican Speaker of the House of Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, forge a deal with Democrats because he couldn't uh, corral members of his own party uh, to back any kind of compromise over uh, Joe Biden's $6.9 trillion spending plan. So a compromise was agreed, but it only kicks the ball down the road for 45 days. Now, in 45 t days' time, uh, like most 
most people living in the United States, I will be preparing to roast a turkey for Thanksgiving and bake pies. And we will once again be on the edge of an abyss, peering into uh, that abyss uh, and and facing the possibility of a government shutdown. Uh, And between now and then, there is now this very thorny issue of funding for Ukraine, because uh, in that compromise measure that was passed on Saturday night up on Capitol Hill, there's no funding for Ukraine whatsoever. That means for the next 45 days, unless some kind of separate legislation is passed in both the House and the Senate, as President Biden is demanding, uh, it's going to be very tough for the United States to offer much in the realm of fresh assistance uh, for Kiev. Now, President Biden at the White House a few hours ago said that he is absolutely sick and tired of the brinksmanship that constantly leaves American governance and literally the functioning of government, the, the, you know, whether people were going to show up in their offices uh, on Monday, whether the parks and the museums were going to be open, whether America's poorest were going to get their uh, benefits and their food stamps on time, leaves all of that hanging by a thread. And he urged Republicans on Capitol Hill to end the games and to uh, find a way of uh, avoiding all of this in the future. And tellingly today, he did concede that this really damages America on the world stage. At a time when Joe Biden keeps saying, look, liberal democracies need to band together to defeat the threat from autocracies like Russia and China, uh, and that liberal democracies can deliver for their peoples, well, the idea that, you know, what used to be con- used to consider itself the, the, the shining beacon on the hill can't even keep its government open and now can only keep its government funded for 45 days definitely damages America's luster globally. Yeah, it's, it's such an odd thing that they have to go through all the time because it's, it's about how much the government can borrow, is it not? And then they set a target or like a limit, but that limit is... Uh, is so low as to be soon breached yes. or in danger of being breached. And so they have to have another conflab and set another limit and then another one. It's, it's, it's like sort of, it, it's, it, it, they're like stepping stones, aren't they? Then they're not laid yet, but they, they, they have to lay the one in front of the one they've just stepped on rather than just laying a path that they can walk down. Yeah, and it also relates to the constitutional system of governance here. So anyone that's that's studied American politics will know that the president proposes, Congress disposes. And the only thing that President Biden can do, and what he's done this year, is to say, look, I'd like to spend $6.9 trillion in 2024, and who among us wouldn't like to spend $6.9 trillion if we could raise it? But he's got to get the backing of Congress to do it. And you've got Republicans on Capitol Hill across the board who say that's a ludicrous number. Um, You're addicted to public spending. Uh, You want to spend money like a drunken sailor. The Biden team says, look, at the heart of Bidenomics is spending money to make money. You've got to build the economy, uh, as Joe Biden always puts it, from the from the bottom uh, up and from the middle out, and government can be useful in terms of sparking economic growth and development through some of the Mm. major infrastructure projects and other development projects that Joe Biden has already uh, successfully secured congressional backing for. But this time round, you know, we're just over a year, we're 13 months away from America's presidential election, when, of course, a third of the Senate and the entire House of Representatives will be up for grabs. So this was always going to be a very 
very politicized discussion this year, but you've got Republicans, uh, particularly from the Trump-backed far-right wing of the Republican Party in the House of Representatives, saying not only that they want to gut the budget uh, generally and cure Biden of his addiction to public spending, but what they also want to do is completely shred any sense of support for Ukraine. I mean, there is that Russia-leaning wing of the Republican Party uh, that wants to deny uh, Volodymyr Zelensky and the Ukrainians any more support whatsoever, which is why for the next, you know, couple of weeks at least, maybe longer, Ukraine is going to be a very, very hot uh, political potato here in Washington. It was notable, by the way, last week that the Republican, the other candidates, the the, the non-Trump candidates, because he didn't show up for the debate again, but the seven of them that did show up for that debate uh, found themselves debating in the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley in California. And, you know, Ronald Reagan at this point wouldn't secure a Republican Party membership card. He'd be considered uh, so far to the left. He wouldn't have found house room at the debate that was taking place at his own presidential library. That's how far they've moved. And am I right in thinking that the Republican Party is um, obsessed with the deficit when they're out of power, but are completely unconcerned by it when they're in power? Yes, absolutely. I mean, we saw that, of course, during the Trump era, and who knows, we might see it during Trump 2.0. I mean, every single successive American government passes uh, the buck, literally the bucks, onto the next generation, and then chides the opposing party when they're in government for doing exactly the same. Uh, But America's national debt is crippling. As we saw a few weeks ago, they were approaching the limit, the debt ceiling, uh, and there was this threat that the United States would not be able to service its debts without a congressional agreement to raise the debt ceiling. They struck that agreement then. Uh, But as we get closer to that presidential election of next November, those kind of deals across the aisle are going to get harder and harder as uh, particularly Republican members of Congress want to prove that they are um, extremely abstemious with the public purse before they go before constituencies in parts of the country where that message sells. Now, we talked uh, briefly about Donald Trump. I believe he has 91 um, charges against him, some of which are about to be heard in New York. Is that right? Yes, 91 criminal counts um, and counting, as they always say in the uh, the James Bond movies. Um, He's hinting, he's teasing... Uh, at the notion that he might be in New York tomorrow where a civil trial is going to begin related uh, to uh, Letitia James, the Attorney General of New York, who is uh, pursuing Donald Trump for fraud. Um, There was a summary judgment in that case last week from the judge who said, oh, absolutely, he committed fraud. He completely overvalued uh, his businesses in a bid to, and you and I have discussed this before, in a bid to uh, secure favourable loans from banks and other financial institutions. Uh, And the judge in the case um, not only said that on that particular issue, which is just one of the various charges that he faces in this trial, on that particular issue, Donald Trump had been living 
living in a fantasy world in terms of the valuations that he was placing uh, on his businesses. But the, but the judge also laid the groundwork that could see uh, Letitia James basically finding herself in charge of the future of the Trump organization. And business analysts believe that this trial is is currently this legal process is going so badly for Donald Trump that he may simply uh, find his organization dismembered by the authorities. His entire business operation could be turned over to a receiver who could take control of the business and liquidate its assets. Trump and his co-defendants could be required to pay a $250 million fine, which is uh, the amount that uh, Letitia James, the Attorney General, demanded in the criminal complaint that she filed last year. And thirdly, she could permanently ban Donald Trump and his sons from doing business in New York State. Now, we're not at that stage yet, but any of those uh, issues coming to the fore would be a substantial blow. For, for, for the former president and they could come right in the middle of the presidential campaign when his attention will obviously be much more diverted on the campaign trail than it will be on the, the daily running of the business. <laughs> it's, it doesn't get boring, does it? Never gets boring, Nick. And um, this is happening in New York. Now, we've, we've seen some incredible pictures of what's happened in New York with the, uh, with the storm that they've just had. What's the situation there now? Well, the cleanup's underway. I, I, I've actually, uh, my wife has actually spent the weekend in New York City and says it's not been too bad there this weekend in terms of getting around. But I mean, the city, as you will have seen from uh, the pictures, absolutely completely drenched by that uh, flash flood that descended on New York City. Uh, record rainfall, a state of emergency uh, declared, and the city once again proving that its infrastructure just is not able to cope with the kind of extreme weather that hits the Big Apple now on a continuing basis. I mean, time and again now, we've seen pictures of uh, subway stations where, uh, you, you know, torrential rain is just cascading down the stairs, into the stations, down onto the platforms. Um, the sewer system in the city can't handle the kind of rain that it had again uh, just over the last few days, but we saw that a couple of years ago. We saw it as recently as uh, as early as 2011 when the sewer system started having difficulties. So, I mean, all of this speaks to the need, and the Biden administration would argue it speaks to the need for more public expenditure to try and protect cities like New York and others from the extreme weather patterns that the country uh, is facing. It will come as no surprise to you that um, Donald Trump doesn't buy that argument and the Republicans generally on Capitol Hill don't buy that argument, and so they wanted to strip uh, much of the uh, climate change funding from President Biden's budget, arguing that it's all unnecessary and um, it's just a blip. I heard that in New York it got so bad, even the rats said they were leaving. Well, there was a, there was a sea lion that escaped from uh, Central Park Zoo. Did <laughs> you see that? Right. Yeah, yeah. Made, a, made a swim for it. Yeah. <laughs> Simon, great to talk to you. <laughs> Thanks very much. That's Simon Marks, LBC's Washington correspondent.